Hello guys, welcome to another episode of my podcast. I know it's been a while since I dropped something, but I'm very excited to record this podcast. I'm back with a special guest who goes by the name Granite Selimi. Granite is someone who has served as a soccer coach for U17, U18, and even U19. He has a bachelor's degree from York University in develop, developmental economics and international development, and even a master's degree in business admin which specialize in sports and fitness. He's also worked in the scouting department for FC Levante in Spain. And on this episode, we'll just dive into his journey, his experiences and different points and experience, different points in his life. How are you doing today, Granite? It's good to be on, my friend. How's everything? I'm good, man. I'm chilling. Thanks for coming on, man. Busy man. You made time. Appreciate no it, man. No problem, man. We try. We try our best, man. You good, though? You good? Yeah, man. We're good. Nice. We're good. Nice. Busy, nice. busy, but you got to move. Yes, sir. That's the only way we know. Let's just yeah. quickly dive, dive into it. You were born in Canada, originally from Albania. How, yeah. how was your upbringing like? And like, how did that mold you into who you are right now? It was, uh, it was hard. It was hard. My parents are immigrants. You know, we, they came with nothing, no English. They couldn't help us in, in school because they didn't understand the English and stuff. So it was all like stuff, uh, go-getter, you know, self-starters from grade one, imagine. Uh, me and my brother, we were always, you know, taking, looking out for each other. And then I think that shaped me, to be honest, and to the person who I am today, you know, like starting from nothing, you know, and just moving forward, man. Hmm. Nice, nice, nice. That's, that's good. So, like, how was your experience like? Like, you were born here, right, in Canada? No, I was born in uh, Kosovo. Kosovo. Oh. So, when did you move here? So, I left Kosovo when I was years old man and uh <laughs> we, li- we lived in germany like for a couple of years and then came to canada when i was like six mm, nice nice that's good so like obviously you have vast experience in like football soccer whatever you want to call it yeah. so how did you get into the game of football because like canada is not known for its football maybe if, if you had exactly. stayed back in europe it would have made sense for you to get into football but like it's not known for its football, especially back then. Now it's obviously a big thing, but back then I'm guessing it was just hockey and whatever. Hockey and all the, all the American sports. Yeah, man. No, good question, man. It was just like uh, my upbringing, you know, and uh, football was, uh, I don't know, it was in our blood, man. My father played as well when we were younger. And I don't know. It was just like when we came here, like my parents were busy and all that. So like we were playing on the street and stuff. We didn't have no phones like this, you know, and then that, we didn't chill at home play on Instagram and stuff. Back then, it was just like, you know, play outside and stuff. And we were playing all the sports. And, you know, football, man, you know, just called me, you know. Hmm. And, and I played, and I played, and I found my own team. And, like, I, I was, because I, my parents were always at work, right? So we had to do everything ourselves. So we found the teams, and we started playing from a young age. And we had some trials in Europe after and all that. And it was good, man. And then, you know, it developed me it was a mixture between self-starting and like mm-hmm. sport man and you just relieve stress i don't know man football is i think is the best game in the world man for for that i feel for those, 90, for those 90 minutes you don't think about nothing about <laughs> nothing except about the ball man and scoring that's, a goal that's that's true like it's, it's therapeutic for sure so at what age exactly did you start playing Do i started remember? playing when i was eight years old eight years old and what club i, I started with the Aaron mills and then I, I moved on to North Mess. North Mess. Nice, nice. And, no, and I, and I played for a Portuguese club. I oh, shit, I forgot about that one. That was one <laughs> of the that, that was one of the best experiences, actually. I played for a Portuguese club here in Toronto, Vieira Mar. 
Minichin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a it, with Joe Furtado. He was my mm-hmm. coach, man. It was a it was a good experience, man. It was I don't know. It was just we played in we 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 uh, the team went to Lisbon and stuff. Sporting mm-hmm. Lisbon played the friendlies. It was a good team. So what like what position were you playing? And did you have hopes to even go pro? Yeah, I did, man. I did. I that was before before school and all that international development and MBA and all that. I thought about just pro, man. But I had an un- un- uh, unfortunate injury on my knee. And a couple of times I did ACL surgery. Even the medicine back then, like, I'm not 50 years old. But, <laughs> even, the, but even the medicine, in like, when I did my surgery in 2008, uh, the ACL, it changed so much for the last 10 years that it's unbelievable. People are recovering much easier and everything. I, for me, it was a nightmare. And it was, psych- it was a psychological nightmare as well, you know? Mm. Could, you, could you take me through like, how you felt at that moment where, okay, you realized, you couldn't play again. Could you take me through that moment? And what, what did that moment feel like, like psychologically? Because most times, like when people get over injuries, is it's your head. It's in your head most of the time. It's not even physically. You can't really think about, okay, how am I going to get back to where I was? Can I be the same player again? Is the injury going to happen again? So how, how was that psychological battle for you? Like, I'm going to tell you one thing, brother. The game that I injured my knee in, I was getting ready to go to Europe for wow. turn pro. So like three, four games later, uh, so three, four weeks later, I've been in Europe. When I tore my ACL, man, and I still remember to this day, it, it was just like, okay, it's nothing. It's just like a little injury. It'll come back. But when I found out that after the surgery and everything, I'm not coming back, man, it was pure depression. I'm honestly going to say it was one of the worst times of my life. But it changed, it made me, like, I don't regret nothing because it made me who I am today. But it, it, then you have to pivot, pivot in the, go a different direction. That's why I went to university and I went to York and then uh, did my MBA and stuff. And, like, I'm still involved with football. However, you, you had to pivot. But it, it, when I was 18, I had to pivot. Imagine the prime, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty tough. But, like, with everything in life, like, it happens for a reason. Now you kind of learn kind of learn yeah. something from that experience. You might not see it while, while it's happening, but like two years down the line, 10 years down the line, like, okay, this made me a stronger person. Like this worked out for the better. For sure. For sure. Um, like to be honest, it, it, it did. It, I think every injury, no matter what, because I deal with a lot of players now, it's all on the, in, in the mindset. And every injury is just like a battle wound. And it, it makes, uh, if you're psychologically strong, it makes you into like a greater, humble, better person especially for professional players what i see is psychologically it doesn't phase them too much mm. for people aspiring to be professional it's just like a kick it's a kick in the face but <laughs> but that uh, that dis- distinguishes between uh, people that are going to become professional and are professional you know what i mean mm, for sure for sure and you mentioned something about pivoting you went into you went to university you got a ba- your bachelor's you got your master's and even Ooh. went into coaching like how did you get into coaching? Because some people might just like, okay, man, I'm not doing this anymore, man. Fuck soccer. I yeah, hate this. So I, I hate no, my I life. Think, How do you get I, into that, coaching? You know what? It's not some, some people. It's all people, man. Because that's the same, I, same thing I was uh, in, you know? Like, I was in the same situation. But I took four years off, man, while I was in mm. university. And I, after university, I'm like, I missed it, you know? It's like, it, it, was, it was something I missed a lot. And... Uh, 
when I was like 25, uh, 25, 26, after working, after university, I was working a year or two, you know? And then uh, I'm like, you know what, man? I'm too young to leave football like this, like the way I'd left it. So I started coaching, man, coaching under 16s, 17s, 18s, assistant coach League One, hmm. uh, U21. When I was uh, 26, 27, I was coaching 21-year-olds, under 21, man. Yeah. And it, it it was it was a good experience because I was bonding, you know, with the players. You know, yeah. I I was in their shoes, you know, and I'm like all the stuff I learned and everything. It's it's better, you know, to pass it on than than just forget about it. I'm not one of those people that forgets, you know. Like mm-hmm. I, I tried, but I couldn't. That's good. I think I personally I think coaching is very interesting because it's like you kind of have to be a mentor to young people. How were you able to like take in that role to like mentor young people? While still being while still being young, like you weren't that old too. So like, how how did you find that balance to mentor to mentor like teenagers in their eighteen when you were like probably twenty five, like at twenty six? So like, how was that like? To be honest, I think it was one of the best things <laughs> for me and for the players, man. I don't know, like I, I I haven't met I have bonds with all the players as well. Like I have one Instagram and like. I don't know, I stay in contact with them because we were more like friends, you know? And, and European football is actually moving into that way where the coaches are younger. They're not the older, like 60, 70-year-old guys anymore. They're, you know, they're 32, 33. There's a lot mm-hmm. of these guys, you know? Because mm-hmm. they're bonding with the players. They know what they need and what they, like, aspire to be. Because when there's a big age gap, there was, there's a big buffer, how should I say? I, I saw a couple of players and everything. And it was, and then from there, that's when Europe started, you know? And then that's when I went, you see, I went to chase my dream along by helping somebody else chase theirs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you went to Europe, you started scouting. Did you go originally I, for scouting or you went for your master's? Because you got a master's at the University in Europe, in Spain. So yeah. why did you go first of all? First of all, I saw that the football, the soccer here was very limited hmm. league soccer club soccer it's very i don't know there's no per, uh, per, uh, perspective i know you could say tfc and whatnot but still it, there it's not like europe where each little town has like soccer clubs and they could be even the first division like hoffenheim or etc you know what i mean or like leeds or like little towns but here it's more uh just a big city a couple big cities have mls the rest of the country is empty now that you could say csl and whatnot and, but same thing it's no funding whatever so i saw that i saw that and i'm like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go to spain study uh, study because you can't just go to a place and start from nothing right so i'm like you know what i'll study i'll make a, a connects and whatnot and then i got into levante man and then after i did my schooling i went to levante as a scout for under 18 under 18s and below and yeah it was a good experience but i all i had the goal before leaving to spain that i wanted to manage players because mm-hmm. i feel i feel like there's not a lot of qualified people that know that did everything, coach, scout, uh, become like people, pe- uh, persons, you know, like uh, have relationships with players, like friendships. And mm-hmm. I thought I, ha- I, I had that all. And I went with a dream along with knowing that I went there for a goal, you know, like I went there for taking some of my players from North Miss and sending them to Europe and, and not wasting their careers in Canada. <laughs> 
that's that's interesting because you're like you you went to Levante and I was going to ask you how did you find yourself in Levante because that's a top club in Spain you don't have any scouting experience prior to being in Spain you're not even Spanish I don't know if you can speak <laughs> Spanish so I how did that happen like run me through getting to Levante I uh, uh, you want to know the whole story like the, how I got in or the, the situation inside or both man we're here to talk <laughs> spill it uh so like i i uh my professor he was uh, he's from ruiz crespo he mm-hmm. did the name he did the name deal and uh he, he held the check actually from thing and brought it to madrid when from paris but yeah he's very connected and he has a lot of players this and that and uh, he's a, a assistant professor as well. He's a, a, on the law firm and we became good friends and whatnot while they were teaching me in that school. And I told them that my story and this and that, and they're like, yo, we're going to help and this and that. And the school, also the director of the school, Manu, Manu Egea, he wanted to help me a lot because he knows I was an agent, and but I wanted to have a back door in the club and get everything and i got uh, the the levante looked at my resume and everything they liked me man i went there i didn't speak spanish it was kind of awkward like i understood it but i didn't speak it but they, i was tested a couple times my friend i was tested they wanted to see my footballing uh, knowledge and everything with how was that what did, like what did they test you on you uh, they, would get, they would give me a piece of paper my friend and be like look at number 10 he's trying out let us know what you think Hmm. And then I would, I would write reports, hmm. looking at him and seeing what foot he is. And I would do a detailed reports that they were blown away, man. That at the end, when I was about to leave, I was offered to stay at Levante. But I didn't stay because that wasn't the goal. Hmm. I and uh, I would, my days would be spent uh, watching games and watching video and analyzing players and seeing how many touches and what kind of movements and etc. It was a good experience, but the goal was not that. The goal was to understand the structures, uh, scouting systems of clubs, so I know when I present players what I need to present. So what do you Plus, what, what do you need to present? If I may ask, I'm not going pro anytime soon. I'm just interested to see what do clubs look like look out for like young players. What don't they like, and things of things like that. Clubs, first off, they like local, hmm. uh, certain clubs. We're talking about Levante was more of a local Spanish club. There was two guys playing, uh, two or three guys playing in the whole club, the youth system that were from outside of the outside of Spain. One was from Paris Saint Germain. He came. One guy came from he's Argentinian, but he came from Inter to Levante. Imagine, and uh, there was a guy from Spartak Moscow, mm. all the way in Russia. Yeah, but the thing about Spain is uh, the whole family has to move to Valencia. Levante for for a player to be eligible to play, it's a UEFA rule as well. However, you know some countries play through that, like play uh, past that. And other than that, man, they look at skills, man. They look how much how you can handle the ball. These guys kill each other, man. I saw twelve-year-olds fight tackling teammates like it was their last day of playing. You know, it was like all out. Because they knew that when the, the scouting team, when we came in and watched, they had to perform. We even uh, scouted the, the trainers and the coaches. We needed to see, even the coaches would be on alert when we would be there because they have to show 
training, proper training, because they have to deliver results at 12 years old. We're not here at North Miss and what other teams, my friend, when they lose at U12, they go get popsicles or Big Macs. There, buddy, they're, they're getting cut at 12 years old. There's, I saw kids crying and it's like, you know, you have to cut them, man. You, even though he's been along with, uh, they have contracts. At the end of the contract, they renew or they don't renew. They're prof- there's a high level of professionalism hmm. at young ages. That's crazy. But there's a, there's a system. There's a system. They, they don't pay for anything. They get picked up by a team bus all over Valencia, taking the training. You know, it's like... It's like a school. <laughs> yeah, they get food. They get everything, you know? Nice, nice. That, that's very, very interesting. I like... You can see After what I, I, yeah, I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I just want to let you know. So, like, when I left Levante, the technical director, Sergio, I have him on WhatsApp and whatnot. He said, if you ever have a good player or a player for us, bring him. The problem is, brother, I, I still didn't find that player because you only get one shot. You can't, you know, you got to be careful. Like, you only get one shot for the player yeah. or you, your rep, you get one shot to prove yourself. No, I, it's both, actually. Like, uh, would you take somebody serious if they send you some garbage player? Nah. There you go. But even though you might think he's good or whatnot in Canada, you have to be able to, like, uh, evaluate. So you haven't still found out player? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but to be frank, I haven't been going to football uh, the uh, soccer games because I had the birth of my daughter and everything mm-hmm. so like you know uh, like I'm, I'm, I have one kid that I'm dealing with uh, that I'm, I'm, I might be taking him to young boys or Basel he's oh no bad Switzerland Israeli player. yeah he's an Israeli player played for TFC what, played in Israel for the last couple of years one of my good friends Giuliano Frano he played in MLS at Vancouver and Seattle he recommended him to me and he said he's a very, very good player. And uh, I'm in contact with his father. And hopefully this summer, I'm taking him to Basel or Young Boys. That's good. Hopefully that, that goes really well. There was something yeah, I wanted but- to ask you. You own a, a, uh, an agency? Yeah. Elite I, Football I, Management Group? Yeah. How's I, that been so far, like being an owner of an agency? So I own an agency. I'm the, like, the only employee. I have partners around the world. We're talking about Iran. We could say like any, every, like top leagues in Europe, whatnot. Um, it's good, man. A lot of politics, a lot of everything like that. But I I had a couple. I I had a good, couple good players. Like I have Kasami that played on Fulham and Olympiacos, and he signed a mandate with me for a transfer to certain teams. I had a couple of national team players, which I'm not going to name right now because the deals could still be happening for. Um, Malmo and Zlatan Ibrahimovic's team in uh, Sweden and Gerther Fourth in Germany. And, you know, it's like, I, I've built a network, man. The thing about it is these teams are uh, contacting me for players and I need quality players to send them. I can't send them, you know, because you do only get one shot. Hmm. I also took that player, that, the goal that, that took me to Europe, hmm. Kalechi Kalu. Yeah. He, I, I got him a trial and everything in Turkey. He was in Turkey with a team from uh, Eastern Europe. I'm not going to mention the team. Uh, now he was in Sweden. Uh, no, in Switzerland. Now he's in Switzerland, currently in Geneva, playing, playing fairly well, had an Achilles problem. 
However, we're hoping to get past that and score some goals and we can move him up to at least the second division in Swiss. So what, what, uh, what division is he? I guess it's the third division now? Uh, fourth. Fourth. Okay. After the injury, because he was, gonna, he was in third. He's, he was at Epoque Rouge, but the injury set him back a lot. Mm. So he was out for six months, Achilles, rupture. However, mm. we're hoping for the best, man. And either that or I'm taking him to Gerther fourth, second team. I know there's a Nigerian guy there too, so. And I have a pretty good relationship with Gerther fourth. That's good, man. Like, your agency is, like, doing big things. And, like, I wanted to ask you something else. Mino Raiola, he died recently. Yeah. What do you think about him and, like, the way he has revolutionized football? Because, like, learning how he was, most teams didn't like him because he wasn't the he wasn't the formal agent that everyone likes to see. He wasn't the nice guy. He always looked after his players. What do you think his legacy is as an agent? So I'm going to tell you a little fun fact about Mino Raiola. <laughs> the player that I signed when I was in Europe, and I had documents to prove it, his name is Paitin Kasami, Swiss national team player. Fulham. He played on Fulham, Olympiacos, uh, Sion. He's playing at Basel currently, etc. He, I signed him with my uh, lawyer, uh, which is, was my professor that I was mentioning in Spain. He was signed previously before I got him, so I was next. He was with Mino Raiola. Really? And I know everything about Mino Raiola from first-hand experience from him. Hmm. Good things or bad things? Uh, good things and bad things. But good things is he has a big name, and like oh, I envy, I envied him because he was, you know, he was from a pizza maker to uh, one of the top uh, agents in the world. Bad things is. Uh, he would neglect and neglect the, some players. He only took care of the bigger ones. But the, I don't know, like, uh, don't quote me, you know? Like, it's, uh, yeah, I don't want to get sued, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah. And to be honest, how much juicy stuff I know about the football game, about coaches, about players, about everything, it's crazy, man. I also work with Shakiri's agent, you know? Oh, Shakiri. Shakiri, the Liverpool guy? Yeah, no, she's Chicago now. Yeah, man. I really? He left? Too. Yeah, he's in Chicago. Nice. I mean, it, it's sort of like, I see you have a good experience with like Switzerland players. And like, I just realized that like Switzerland and like Albania kind of have a funny relationship because Zaka is really from Albania. From Kosovo too, from And uh, Shakiri. So what, why do they have such a very close relationship what's the relationship between kosovo switzerland it's a big community man it's a big community in switzerland it's like uh I don't know. it's like indians in canada let's say mm. there's a lot of albanians we had like from the beginning we we went there i think we're like the fourth biggest or third biggest uh, demographic outside of the swiss you know and it's close by to our country and whatnot. And these guys were raised there, like me in Canada, man, deciding to play for Canada, but not forgetting my roots, you know? Because we're very patriotic. You know, we went through a lot of wars, uh, you know. We're very nationalistic, how should I say? Uh, like, you're, you're obviously, you're a scout. Like, what's your goal in the long run? Do you want to, like, have a flock of players where you want to be able to have your players out there? negotiate no. deals for them what what really is your goal in the long run my goal brother is i'm going to take uh, three 
maximum five players mm. and not take one more, not need not even one more. I'm gonna choose the best, the ones that I feel like I could do stuff with them and I could move them, and that's about it, man. The, my goal in the long run is wh- who's gonna find an agent that was a scout, that was a coach, <laughs> that has a master's degree, because not a lot of these guys have masters. You know what I mean? Sure, it's not that easy. Could, that could uh, understand Spanish. I speak a little bit. Uh, German, Albanian, a uh, little bit of French. And has hookups to like all of, let's say, from Turkey to France to Germany to Spain, except England. I don't have any hookups to <laughs> Switzerland. Right. And yeah, man, I don't know. Like, but I'm not going to take, I'm not going to go oh, kill myself. I'm going to take like four or five players, which I know could make it, which are good guys, which are going to st- stick with me and trust the process. And we're going to move. Yeah, I think, I also think that's the best way forward because like it's quality over quantity at the end of the day. Exactly. Have your five yeah. guys that you trust. You guys do your own thing, go through the process of like finding a good team and just being focused on like a few people. I just think that's the best thing in the long run. Well, for sure. For sure. Other than that, man, it's just like, you know, it, it gives you a lot of time as well. Cause a lot of these players have needs, my friends. They have needs, you know, they call you at 12 at night, you have to pick up. You know what I mean? If you're managing a 20, 30 players, you can. That's why, hence, why Mino Raiola and certain players that I mentioned, like, he didn't have, like, that. those were the downsides, which I found out. You know what I mean? Nice, nice. Also, also I know Mino Raiola, another thing I'm going to mention over Mino Raiola, he would send players to teams that he was making bigger cuts in, and he didn't give players an option. So. Olympiacos owns Nottingham Forest and or Udinese owns uh, three other teams, you know, or, you know, the families. And he would send them to those teams where he knew he would get the biggest return. And he didn't care about the player that much, whether he sh- shines or not. The lower players, the higher players, obviously, like Pogba and stuff like that, he cares. But you see, even Pogba is not playing well in Man United. So it was a money thing. Hmm. And when money, when money takes over in football, my friend, he gets a little bit dirty. That's interesting. That's very, very, very interesting. I think I'll, I'll kind of like round up the episode here, but I wanted to ask you one last thing before we go. What would yeah. you say you've learned like throughout this whole process of like being a scout? Like what's one thing that stood out to you that you think, oh, I'll never forget this. Or one experience that you felt and like changed the way yeah. you view things. I thought scouting, what I think most of your listeners are going to think. Scouting is more of like, oh, I could spot talent and this and that. It's uh, actually the opposite. It was, which was a surprise to me. It was more analytics, more statistics, more checks and balances. There's four or five. Up, just because a scout likes a player doesn't mean the player will be signed. <laughs> it's like a factory. You understand what I'm trying to say? Especially in Europe, that's what I'm saying. Or Levante, where I was at. It's a factory. There's with lots of checks and balances. That stood out for me. It was like crazy. Because I thought scouting was like old school. You see the player, you tell him, yo, he's good, sign him, and he signs him. It ain't like that, man. It's a lot of like statistics. A lot of statistics. That's, that's it's, also, it's, a, it's math. It's math. I, I mean, I kind of see that, but I don't agree with that because there are some things where you can't, math can't show how hard a player is. You can't show how how good of a, what would I say? How good of a team player is? How good of a leader is? A st- stats can't show that. That can't come up on the stats. So how do we find a balance? You see, for me, I, I didn't like it either. I, mean, I still don't like it because I'm raised old school. I like 
you know, you see a player in the raw to go play, you know what I mean? And with these statistics, and football is going to that way where everything is going to be statistics, like the NBA. Mm. Yeah, the NBA is literally analytics now. And everything's moving that way. So it's like, it's crazy, man. It's like, I don't like it either, man. Another thing that, that I learned when I was in Spain, which was interesting, is some teams like the Abar president, I was in touch with him in La Liga. And Abar is an interesting story. They have like only like four or 500 people. It's like a village, little town. And uh, when they select their players, they check their Instagram. They check if they're married. They check if they have kids. They check if they're willing to live in the village and not live in like the posh areas. They check what kind of car they have, if they're fancy. And I asked him, I asked him, I remember to this day, till the day I die actually. I asked him, would you sign Balotelli? Because I rate Balotelli. <laughs> and uh, we're talking about Abar. He told me no. Why? Yeah, he said no, because he's like, he would ruin our team chemistry. But I raised that point because I wanted him and Levante, Yorka, and all these other presidents to know, because I know the president of Mallorca as well, Malora, um, to know that analytics is not everything. Mm. And they, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I just hope like people are able to find a balance between analytics and like actually watching people play and like reading the intangibles. I think that's the best way to judge a player at the end of the day. And 100%. And one thing Canada needs to do, all these clubs, with all the money they're getting, because when I was playing, it was 200 bucks. That was like a thousands or God knows what, is invest in videographers and tape your games so players could see their mistake. Yeah. And change the, the football has to change in Canada because everywhere else it's moving forward. They have videographers, etc. And teams need to invest in this. And play and teams and clubs and uh, teams should have media days where they would they look at themselves and see what their make uh, their mistakes and whatnot. That's how football is going to prosper in Canada. That's for my scouting. That I <laughs> for sure, for sure. I think I'll just I'll round up here. Thank you very much, Granny, for coming on. I really enjoyed talking to you about your experiences and even learning a few things that I didn't expect to learn. The backstory of like agents, you knowing different soccer players. And like, I found this very, very interesting. And like, I'm very grateful for, for you coming on. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Uh, it was a, it was an honor to be on, and hopefully, it, it's an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting show, man. <laughs> for sure, like for it. sure, for sure, for sure. Thanks again, man. No problem, bro. Have a good one, man. You too. Take Bye. Care.